You can catch Jackie McNamara on tour, sitting down with Jerry McDade, who has co-authored via Zoom, His Name is McNamara. So how long were these sessions that you would would discuss things, and how long did the book take from first to last? Uh, just under a year um, it took, and the sessions were anything from an hour to, you know, a couple hours at a time. Some obviously were a bit tougher doing than others, um, as you imagine, but... No, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, a good relationship with Jerry and over the last year, and enjoyed working with him. And I think he's enjoyed it as well. It's such a good book. I read it yesterday. I read it so quickly, uh, and I hope that's a compliment because I was trying to whiz through it. I said to a friend, "Oh, I sped read a book. Why the hell are you speed reading it?" Because I'm talking to the guy <laughs> tomorrow. The book is his name is Matt Namara. Twenty pounds, although Kindle it's nine ninety nine. You you will be able to sign copies at this great tour that you're doing. You're doing a lot of dates in Scotland, Liverpool November twelfth, London Irish Centre November nineteenth, and there's loads of Celts in London, so you'll get a good showing for that, I think. Yeah, uh, I hope so. That'll be good. Yep. Uh, the forward is by Henrik Larsson. Here's a quiz question: How much differential was there between Celtic buying you from Dunfermline? And, oh, I can't remember where Henrik Larsson came from. Was it Helsingborg? Um, Henrik Larsson being bought. Uh, he was Feyenoord. Feyenoord, of course. I'm sure Henrik was 600. I think I was 650. We are 50,000, you know, from a first international. So it worked out 700 in total. So I don't know if there was any add-ons with Henrik. I hope there was, because I, I don't think I'm... <laughs> this is I don't the, think I should be... 50 or 100 grand more than Henrik although I still think it was a good price that Celtic got for me for the service Why was it so I know it was like 2,000 prices but that's not a lot of money for an international class striker I know yeah I think it was coming to the final I don't don't know how we we managed to get them for that cheap you know at that time uh, same with guys like Decamio we got Decamio for for 1 million you know it was I'm sure by Van Hoydonk was the same mm-hmm. when he first came in, Pierre. So oh, Van Hoydonk was Feyenoord as well? Yeah, he played for Feyenoord mm-hmm. as well. I, I think we bought him, he went back to Feyenoord, but I think we bought him from Breda, back Breda. Yeah. Oh, is that true? Van Hoydonk uh, played in the European final for Feyenoord. He won it in, yeah. is it 2001? Um, yeah, he scored, scored a free kick, yeah. What's brilliant about Henrik, and famously two assists in a Champions League final, that's my favourite stat, about Henrik Larsson, um, beat Arsenal single-handedly, um, just played with a smile, and he was so good to play with. He must have been a dream to work with, and also to play golf with, I gather. Yeah, yeah, just a, an all-round great guy, yeah, great footballer. It just, as I said, he got better and better, you know, as the years went on. When we were uh, playing with Scott, I remember Dan Fletcher saying to me when he was at Man United, like how good is Henrik? You know his movement and the things you take for granted when you're, you know, you're coming up the pitch and you just know with his movement, uh, you can find them. You know he's so clever. And even the amount of goals he actually scored, even though you know he wasn't a giant Henrik, he was under six foot. Uh, but the amount of headers that he scored from corners and different, just with his movement and he's, he was very very clever. Yeah. Well, yes. And unfortunately, the worst thing that happened to him is that he played well against Barcelona. And that's what ruined uh, a lot of Celtic's momentum in the 2000s. Well, that and Martin O'Neill's wife, Geraldine, being ill. Mm -hmm. And Martin was forced to walk away. 
uh, from the job. Henrik has also been in management. Were you following what was going on with him? I think he got relegated, right? Like yeah, that's, his son was there as well, yeah. Jordan, who's now in, in Moscow. Yeah, they got a bit of stuck in abuse, which, as I said, it's even the management side, it's not nice to see that with your old teammate. You know, he's, he's number two at Barcelona just now, with Ronald Koeman. So Wait. he's doing okay. Well, well, yes, it's a fun time at Barcelona. Can I just ask for a professional's view on this Lionel Messi nonsense? Um, it seems funny not having him at Barcelona now, doesn't it? PS, maybe on PSG top. Mm-hmm. Did you just think that that was going to be his club for his whole career? But uh, it's uh, strange, strange times. You know, you can get Lionel Messi on a free last year. <laughs> this year, sorry. <laughs> it's... And Ronaldo, well, I don't know Ronaldo. Basically free. free. They they paid a little, because he had one year left, I think. So they they had to pay a bit of a fee, but... Yeah, it's incredible. You played against Barcelona just before Messi broke through. And there are two players, because you're a wide player, you're all about, what is it, stamina, speed and attacking menace. That would be a great title for a book. Uh, But Mm -hmm. you appreciate the tricky winger. So it's very interesting that you go for Julian Overmars as your toughest opponents? Yeah, totally different players um, entirely. You know, Overmars was um, was a tricky, tricky in the sense because he was quick, um, low centre of gravity, good control, but he, he, he was used both feet as well. You know, he was he was good with his left and his right, so, you know, sometimes you, you look at a weakness and you say, I'll show him down this side and I'll force him in there and try and tackle him, whereas... You know, he was good, a good player over Mars. And but Ludovic Julie was mostly right footed. He didn't he done it all without the ball. You know, he ran it was his movement. He was just so quick. Low centre of gravity. And uh, yeah. And um, actually done okay against him over in Barcelona, but the game itself took back. You know, he he gave me a tough night. I remember Watford Cardiff, it must have been twenty fourteen. David Marshall made this world world-class save. I don't think I'll forget. I think he dived, finger-tipped it round the post. And if I'd have asked you, you'd say, yeah, of course he did that because of his debut. This was this story, which obviously every Celtic fan will know unless they were hung over through it because um, they'd be drinking early. That must have been for the, the second-half performance because you'll have been protecting the goal and protecting the lead. Yeah, and even regardless of the goalkeeper, you know, that's what you're trying to do, protecting that because of they were a good side, you know, the Ronaldinho and guys in their team. And, but young Marshall, yeah, kind of, that's what started his career. It's funny how certain things and moments in football, you know, things come out and the, the sending off that night as the goalkeeper, Rab Douglas, who instantly didn't do anything wrong, but to try to stop a fight, you know, give young uh, David Marshall his opportunity. Well, and thank goodness you had Martin O'Neill there who knew how to handle these moments. And Martin, a very cerebral guy, I think he's done some... Big fan of crime fiction. Did you ever see him uh-huh. reading a like Ian Rankin book in the dressing room? No, I, I didn't see him reading, but he, he was... I know he was... You know, he studied... He studied crime lawyer, and law yeah. and stuff. Yeah. But, you know, Martin's very, very intelligent, you know, and he, he had a great knack of getting the best out of the players, um, you know, in the dressing room and the things he would say... His mad management side of it was was good. Well, yeah, and you detail this in the in the book. Um, no room for complacency. I think is that good in a a manager, a line manager, because if you're working to get results, 
It's psychology. It's a lot of it is psychology. Mm-hmm. It is that is psychology, and I think that's where the game's changed now as well. You know, I, I think you know obviously guys like Martin uh, in, in the modern the way the way the, the players are now, they want they want told where to do, where to pass it, where to go. You know, they've, they've lost for me a, a lot of the intuition has gone out of the game. Martin was good at, at bringing that out of you. You know, because mm-hmm. it football is problem solving on the pitch. You, you, you solve problems, you try and win the game of football. A lot of it now is, is taken away. You know, it's it's like programmed before you go on, how it goes. And that is, can yeah, you rather, see that? Is that notable as a yeah. former pro? That's very interesting, because yeah. I have heard that yeah. before. Yeah, even even my last bits as a manager, you put information in, and, and, and players only take so much information in, so realistically... You know, you have your shape in and out of possession, but the most important thing there would be, obviously, to get them down is right, what they're doing for set pieces, corners for and against, and different things, free kicks. So when you start overloading them with more information, a lot of them can't take in. Oh, no, I love this, this bit of the book. Um, yeah. You played Barnsley in a Football League trophy. Uh, this yeah. was news that I'm about Adam Hamill, very good player. I imparted to one yeah. of our defenders, Marvin McCoy. Get tight to him, Marvin. Whatever you do, don't let him cut in and get onto that right foot. Marvin yeah. looked at me and said... Too much information, man. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to, you have to laugh yeah. or else you'll cry. Again, you will be able to hear... <laughs> we're, we're in the football library, by the way. So we've got books and books and books, including Gordon Strachan's book. I don't think Martin O'Neill's written a book yet. Billy McNeil, there was a biography of him that came out mm-hmm. as Jackie Senior did he get round to writing anything down uh, no I actually, I actually spoke to my dad about it because he, he had mentioned he'd been asked to do one I think he is going to do one because my dad's I think he should you know I think yeah, his career is, is very very interesting and his thoughts and things he's he's very political as well my dad of course <laughs> and his views yeah, no he's, he's an interesting guy you know I think it's not just about obviously winning things and doing things. I think actual people, my dad would be a would be a good read. I hope so. Well, the the most tender part of his name is McNamara is when you talk about your mum, uh, who seems like yeah. a really lovely woman. But you did two things after your mum died of a horrible cancer. You got more in touch with your emotions, and you yeah. really ploughed into your work. One of them is yeah. is obvious. Everyone just looks for something to take the mind off the grief. But mm-hmm. to come out in a, a memoir and say, oh, yeah, I was more in touch with who I was, how I was thinking, do you still hold that 20 years on, all those lessons? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. I, I, would, I would probably describe myself before that as, as quite robotic, hard to read and not showing the emotion. And obviously what happened to me last year has made it even worse in terms of emotion. I can see myself just something happening or watching something and just overcome the emotion with, with certain things. But I think uh, losing my mother at that stage in my life, when I just, you know, I think consumed in the bubble at Celtic and that's all it was. You know, I trained, I played, I came home, I trained, I played, came home, I had to win everything. And you, you just you forget about other things that are going on in your life and, and other people. You know, you're just in that immediate bit and then something like that hits you and it's just like there's more going on here than just my football. And yet, yeah, difficult to do work. Yeah, and yet 20 years ago you didn't turn to Catholicism, whereas after the aneurysm, um, mm-hmm. maybe you saw something when you were comatose come into the light. 
And uh, you yeah. say faith is a private matter, so I won't pursue it so much. But I'm sure that a lot of Celtic fans would love to invite you to Mass to pray with them. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, we were never brought up on the religious side, and it's quite a, you know, I, I wouldn't force anything down anybody. I don't, I don't, I do believe it's it's a faith. It's I'm only going by what I experienced last year. I was in the coma, you know, and I've watched things. I watch things afterwards, and I just what I experience. I just put down to the, you know, the the drugs that are given me to put me in the induced coma, and it's kind of opened my eyes afterwards and what I'd seen, and you know, they, they, t- they tell you that you can't see anything. You're in a coma. You're out. So it kind of not spooked me. I wouldn't say I was spooked by it all, but I was just sort of intrigued to find out more and listen to other people's stories and. You know, somebody else that's was close to death, or I think they've been, you know, on the other side. Um, you just kind of put it to the back of your mind and get on with things again. You get put back into normal life and you start feeling better. But it really is, you know, I do get little flashbacks and what I, what I'd seen, and I still do to this day. Try and make sense of it all. Yeah, life is for living, and uh, mm-hmm. this book goes towards that. And then I'd love to spend more time dwelling on your management at uh, Dundee United. But whenever you see Andy Robertson play, do you think of the hard-running young pup in training whom you sold on for an astonishing amount of money? And he's now... Is he captain of Scotland now? Yeah. 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 All because of you? Mm-hmm. Deny that. Um, I wouldn't say just because of me. I, I, it's because of him himself. You know, me growing up, I'm not preparing myself to him, but there's similarities there, rejected and let go and having to work your way up, which I did at Dunfermline, you know, and um, with him, it's, it's a, a, a willingness and a want, which as a manager or, or a coach, they're, they're great to work with because, you know, they've um, done a great, the great Tommy Burns. You know, you treat every day like it's your last training session and you give everything you've got in it and that's... That's what Andy did, you know, and that's what I tried to put across as a manager. You know, the same bits that Tommy Burns would do rather than take your foot off the gas for the day or just take it easy. It's just like, you know, you treat every day in football like it's your last and you know, every game like it's your last match you'll ever play. Mm, that's yes. kind of what I used to say to the players. That Tommy Burns used to say to me, you know, pass that on because it is a quick career and it does come quickly and not to, not to waste it or worry about it. Enjoy it. Tommy Burns, one of Celtic's most esteemed players and managers. Tommy played for Celtic. Yeah, terrific man all round. You know, great, really great, great man. And done so much for me on and off the park, which obviously I speak about in the book as well. Mm-hmm. For me, my life, he helped me, my life at a difficult times. Yeah, um, the hu- again, the human side of football. You're going through some trouble trying to conceive, and uh, mm-hmm. all that comes out in the book is that you've got this great figure helping you out as at a workplace. And who was it who gave you compassionate leave after your mum died? Was that Martin? Uh, Martin, yeah. 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 Just so important. Yeah. And then at the other end of it, I'm going to have to mention him just because... Well, maybe I'll ask it like this. Do you have any interest in reading a book called The Uncomfortable Truth About Racism by John Barnes? Would I read it? Would um, you read it? Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't not read it. You know, I'd no, you know, no real issues with... with you know, John Excel, I'd seen his comments last year, I kind of talk about him, they put why I thought it went wrong for him with the players, you know, and 
the dressing room in pre-season. I didn't think it was anything to do with racism. No. Um, if what? Any any white manager or Asian manager, if Super Cali went ballistic, that's your job. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I know, but then... Which I mean, you didn't play in, by the way. Difficulties there were, you know, obviously, Henrik breaking his leg uh, away in Leon, which, you know, and brought in other players. How do you replace Henrik last year team? But there was there was problems in the dressing room and the trust stuff, as I talk about in, in my book, you know, from pre-season. Um, and that's got nothing to do with with uh, race or colour or anything else. Mm. That's just to do with respect, uh, you know, the players and trust. And he, he kind of lost that right quickly because of the sip. Yeah, he took a drink out of one of the players when we were just having a in a coffee shop along the hotel, you know, and just little things like that. And it, it makes even the other bit when I remember I just signed a new contract in January. Before we went, I went to break to Portugal. We were doing a running test, and you know, and I always obviously try and give it my all as a as a dance my whole career, and I done quite well on the run. And he stood over me, and he's like, you know, I thought you were a chucked it well before now, in the bleak test. And I was like, why? He said, well, you just signed your new contract, you know, meaning like, oh, I'm okay. I've got another four years here. I'll just take it easy, you know. I'm not going to push myself because I've just signed a new deal. And that, for me, spoke more about him than me, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Because maybe that's something that he would have done, or the fact that he thought that and didn't really know me. Because in my position, I had to be fit as I could be, um, take up and down the pitch and recover. And I wasn't doing it for, for him or the club, but I was doing it for me to, to maximise my potential. Precisely. And what does give football a bad name? At Watford, uh, who's my club... We've got players who it's clear that they're less interested in the team effort because they're just, they're earning an absurd amount of money, uh, which I didn't want to bring up with you because um, it's the market. But um, I like the, the, well, it's sad, but the quotation about Craig Burley, a really good player, Craig Burley, apart from that one tackle that he made in 1998, which was very stupid. um, Uh It was like tying the leg of a tiger down and making him go against his instincts by making him defensive. Um, yeah. And there's that other moment when, oh, is it Vim Janssen who tells you, I don't like my fullbacks to bomb on. I like them to defend. Yeah. yeah. That's the worst thing. Because the, the thing that you're good at as a player and you're being told, don't do it like that, fit the system. Maybe you sympathise with, I don't know if Fletch was playing for Louis van Gaal. I think he was, although he might have had colitis then. The the news coming out of United at the time was that van Gaal had said, no, 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 you touch, then you touch again. No first touch passes. That can't be fun yeah. in the workplace. No, again, it goes back to you know the intuition but again, doesn't it? Because if, if you're on the pitch and then you're suddenly thinking for someone else rather than yourself, you know, you're making your, your decisions. Or right, I better not move forward here, even though you see a a big bit of space to go into to try and, and not just that obviously I had the reputation of bombing forward in fairness I had to play for the forward that season and, and done well things like Craig Burley who scored a number of important goals before John came in to suddenly then restrain that and not have him getting forward as much it takes away that side of his game we'd better finish with a couple of fun things uh, before we hear his name is Matt Namara and we must credit the two writers of that song 
who adapted McNamara's band, Charlie Devlin and Joe O'Sullivan, whom I hope you will give free drinks to if they dropped into the Don McNamara bar. Of course, yes. <laughs> I still have good, good friends with Joe. Yeah. That's wicked. That's, and mm. Yes. Uh, do you remember hearing that song for the first time being sung by the Terraces? Uh, yeah, yeah. They, actually, the, the, the stadium, they, they put it on the, the stadium where I warming up one day. No, the lads were looking at me and I was just like, <laughs> no, no, where to look. I mean, I've never been comfortable with adulation or things like that. I just, you know, even my testimonial I'll go around the pitch with the crowd at the end. I just, you know, I want them to be singing about somebody else rather than yeah. me. It's just, I've never been comfortable with it because, you know, just doing my job and, you know, it's nice to be liked and everything else, but, you know, I'd rather sing about Henry Glasson or somebody else rather than me. But so when I've done that song over the years, it, it, it's I've got better at handling it and enjoying it rather than worrying about it. And this memoir, his name is McNamara, does take its place on the shelves of the football library, uh, alongside some other quite humble chaps like Andres Iniesta. You can't imagine who is the best player of our generation. People always say Ronaldo or Messi. No, it's Iniesta because the others haven't won a World Cup. I'll ask I'll ask you the same question when it comes to this era of the last, let's call it the last 30 years. If Pele is 60s and 70s, Maradona is 80s, who is the footballer who will go down as the the player of the era? And is it Gascoigne? Um, 80s, Gascoigne would be up there, I would say, yeah. Early 90s. Yeah. You know, he, was a, he was a good player and I was fortunate enough to play against him as well. Can kind I of run in one of the games? Nightmare. It was a nightmare to play against. He said he was all elbows, got away with murder. He did in the, in the, the games here anyway. You know, yeah. his elbows would all be up there protecting himself, but they were sharp. <laughs> who, was, who told the story about him just coming in at a... Re- I think it was Pat Nevin. Pat Nevin got sliced down by Gascoigne. Uh, and Gazza just got up and grinned. But that is uh, very interesting. So... Um, yeah, the other thing I wanted to ask is if I say the word smell the glove to you, mm-hmm. it's from Spinal Tap. It was the title of a Spinal Tap album, Smell the Glove. Yeah. Uh, but it was yeah. also a piece of graffiti that uh, made its presence in the workplace. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was on a wall uh, just outside Kilmarnock's ground when we were going to play Kilmarnock. And one of the players, I think it was Tosh McKinley, just kind of highlighted it. And then it became a thing with the players, like, you know, if someone said something, I smell the glove, you know, like, that kind of joke. Then it just kind of gathered momentum and people thought it was something to do with Rangers or different things, which it really wasn't. Um, it's funny how little things like that start. And then, you know, sometimes the actual the facts of it and the, the real reason, like, is that it? <laughs> It's an anti-climax you know, when you find out the truth, but unfortunately that was where it came from. It was on the wall outside Command up the ground, yeah. smell the glove. I think I, think I want to repopularise that. Um, <laughs> the, you say that the way that Celtic works today, if indeed it does, but that's another story that you're obviously not going to... It's too political. But we're seeing that with Edward, who just has made, opened his account for Palace, and it was obvious that Edward was too good for the Scottish League and he needs to move to other leagues because that's probably his ambition. And I wonder if Celtic are kind of like a miniature version of Borussia Dortmund today. 
Yeah, well, there has been. It's. I mean, I think the, the the golf has become too big, you know, for them to compete financially with the teams in the Premier League because they can't give them anywhere near the same uh, salaries. So, and the players obviously want to play, and not just obviously the money side of it is important for them, but also they want to test themselves in the best. Well, seem to be the the best league in the world. So, you know, that's that's the. Their aim, they're like Van Dyke's coming there, Van Yama's that I've had over the, over the years. Um, Dembele obviously was there and he went to Leon. Um, but uh, Edouard, obviously, his ambition was to play in England and mm. he's got that now. Good manager, good team. I hope he does. I hope it works out for him. I bet he'll love playing with Wilf Zaha. Would you have loved playing with Wilf Zaha? Because throughout this book, you talk about players like Bellamy and Decanio who were mercurial. Zaha would have been ahead of you. I suppose that you would have loved to have played with him on that side. Uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I liked when I was playing behind someone, I liked to sort of giving them the ball, but, you know, and as I got older, mm. not let, make, making sure they stayed up there and not come back and tracking back. Um, just let me do with the defensive side. You know, they didn't have all that power to go and get at them. You know, because a lot of times when you see certain players and teams they're doing that much defending they're chasing back and forth they don't have the power and the legs to go and be creative what you want them to be from the perspective of a dressing room because the key thing with Sean Dyche is that Mm -hmm. it's a great dressing room he talks about the group all the time Martin O'Neill would have been the same Um, because you've got a squad game now it's harder to and the agents which uh, we'll bring it back to your agency actually but you're under Wim Janssen part of the reason that you stopped Rangers from winning 10 is because you had that team ethos. You went go-karting, you would bond, you'd play golf together. Is it more important to have a team ethos or the catalyzing player like a Henrik or a Moravchik? Or do you need both? I think you need both, yeah. I think to be, I mean, you can, have, you can be successful with a good team, work, but I, I do think you need someone you know, in, in your team that's just that little bit special that can get you the goals or be the difference between drawing a game and winning a game um, but the the team ethos is, is vitally important you know and that's that's one thing that um, at my time at Celtic we had at times we didn't we didn't have it we didn't win you know under John it was there was fractions in the, in the changing room we, you know we speak to some players but not all of them different things so mm-hmm. I think when you've got a good bond team and a good leader, you've, you've got a, a good chance of success. Do you have your international cap from Tallinn? Or were you never given it because technically the game wasn't played? No, I didn't get it. I ah. got, uh, did I get it? It didn't count as a cap, sorry. It didn't count. But the game got rearranged to Monaco. We played them in Monaco. A rearranged match, which we drew 0-0, which was horrendous. Mm. But my first start then became Sweden. I've got that uh, cap framed. Oh, what was Henrik in the Sweden team? He actually didn't start. I don't know if he came on in the game. But, I mean, we beat them 1-0 at Ibrox. But uh, Jim Leighton was unbelievable that game. They, they battered us. And we won 1-0. John McKinley scored it. There is a book. Um, Neil Doherty wrote a book. Um, and he detailed the Leighton Gorham fallout. That you probably mm-hmm. didn't need that. So when when you're drawn against Brazil, the last thing you need is some finagling about goalkeepers. Yeah, I mean, the, the, we were with. I was actually with Andy that night when he walked out. 
Um, we were out, we were out having, uh, having a drink and we were in, in New York and then he just kind of left the bar and then obviously we'd seen that he'd, he'd walked out and went away back, he flew home. You know, he didn't want to be number two to, to Jim at that point. I think Craig had told him that he was starting with Jim in the World Cup and, you know, and that's, obviously that's his decision. I don't think he regrets it. No. Well, he's, and another player like uh, Henrik Larsson would, and Michael Owen, signed by Alex Ferguson on a short-term cover. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Have you met Fergie? Yeah. Alec, I yeah. should say. Yeah, I, I was, as I said, in the book I talk about, I was down to Man United uh, two years in a row. Where there was a few of us selected from Scotland to go down on trial. We trained for a week, and, and actually uh, when I was in hospital, I'd, uh, I got told he was phoning, phoning my ward as well to see how I was doing, because... He uh, suffered the same uh, mm. thing as myself, a brain, brain hemorrhage, a couple of years ago. So I actually watched the documentary and I, I found that uh, a, lot of, a lot of similarities there, about worrying about writing things down and remembering things, and it was very helpful. Oh, I've just realised, Jason, his boy, does the same thing as you, agency work. Uh, you might have yeah. to ask for some tips if you haven't already. Yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Concilium is the sports agency. Clients include Buddha. It's very nice of you to have Buddha as a client. Uh, that's <laughs> that's Big John Hartson, who is a very good analyst, yeah. really good yeah. commentator on the game, and a nice human being, from what I hear. Yeah, we roomed together and got on well. Uh, me and John shared some some good moments and good, good laughs. Um, yeah, I'll see him see him uh, soon as well. I've got a a golf thing on next week for his charity. Oh, wicked. Yes, of course, which he set up because he... What was his cancer? Was it to stick It was... Yeah, and the hand went into the, the brain as well. So yes, that's why he lost all the hair. The two of us have got a bit in common. We both have shunts in our head as well, which controls the fluid. Mm. <laughs> so um, we've got but, these little contraptions in our head now. Yeah, don't go through airport security. But you have something that John Hartson doesn't have, Bebeto's shirt. Is that also in the bar, or what have you done with that shirt? Uh, yeah, no, it's not in the bar. It's in the house. That was my, my, a great moment there, obviously, my, when they swapped it there in the uh, 98 World Cup. It was a cracker. Oh, wow. I, I'm a bit too young. The 98 was my first World Cup, and only by talking to this chap, Neil, did I realise that I'd conflated what had happened. Because I watched it at school, and I remember Tom Boyd heading in from the corner for the own goal. But what I'd done is that I'd clashed Cesar Sampao's header and Tom Boyd's great goal for Brazil, <laughs> which you'd call it. Um, and so I always remember that, Scotland playing Brazil. And that was, as you're being tired of being reminded, the last time Scotland qualified for the World Cup. Um, yeah. you're, you've got a great manager. Stevie Clark did amazing things at Kilmarnock. Um, the problem Scotland may have is that few of them are competing regularly against the best players. There's only six or seven Premier League starlets, including Robertson and uh, Tierney. Does that make you worry for Scotland's qualification for Qatar? No, I, th- I think we've got some, some good players there. I really do. Um, oh, the young boy from Celtic, the midfielder Turnbull. Turnbull's coming on, but I think there's there's some 
some good ones coming coming through. Um, and obviously, the higher they're up, they're, they're playing. Whether it be in England or Champions League games or European games, the experience they'll get hopefully will we'll take into the national team. You know, Billy Gilmore, you know, he's he broke through last year, and he looks like he's going to be a, a mainstay in the team now, and he's still very young. So, no, I think it's. Exciting! Then. There's a lot of good young players we've got coming through. Yeah, and also Che McAdams. What a great signing that was. Yeah, yeah, he's done. He's done well. Yeah, um, that's a position of kind of struggled with in scoring goals. Somebody going through the middle, mm. so can come up with a few. We haven't talked about the six-two against Rangers. We haven't talked about the Porto Mourinho final in Sevilla, which you described as oppressive heat. But you're going to have to hear those stories on tour. Is it his name is McNamara Dotcode at UK? Yeah. And you can um, get your you get a book included in the ticket price, I think. Yeah, get a book there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you want yeah. to approach Jackie with your memories of, uh, well, not just Celtic because you're at Dunfermline playing with David Moyes, uh, and you managed um, Falkirk and Partick and Dundee United. Um, don't mention Stephen Presley. I can actually sense your animosity. <laughs> There's a picture of you. I think Stephen's managing maybe Hearts and you're managing Dundee United. Just there's so much no, hatred he, in that photo. He was managing. He was managing Falkirk. Oh, he was still at Falkirk. Um, yeah. And I was at Partick Thistle. Yeah. Oh God, he hates you. I remember being in Edinburgh when Presley walked out and got the players to go on strike. When the yeah. So he's definitely a character. Um, yeah. I don't think, and then the last thing to know is that I would like. Uh, well, you get your football library card. Uh, Roy Keane is on the door, by the way. I think you'd moved on by then. Although you would have managed to... No, you wouldn't have managed against Roy Keane. Or would you? No. But the um, there's all kinds of stuff. Programmes and shirts and videos. But the thing I want to uh, induct is The Therapy Room. The DVD of the episode that you wrote. It's all about football behind the curtain. And... I wish I'd known because I was probably in Edinburgh at the time. It screened at the Cameo, which I love. Yeah. I love the Cameo. It's one of my favourite rooms yeah. in the world. Yeah. What was that like having your work screened? It was great. I mean, I think just doing it was an achievement. You know, me and Fran, we, I mean, we, we managed to get it done and with all these actors and actresses that read it and wanted to, to take part in the, in the pilot. So... You know, and they believed in it, and to actually get all filmed, you know, and doing something, I've always wanted to do things, you know, rather than just talk about it. And I had, you know, I've got thirty minutes of footage of a pilot, all actors and actresses, and some of my pals playing parts in it and yeah. overacting, and it was such a good laugh doing it. I have to be honest, and I've been asked quite a lot recently. It's funny how it just, you know, it's kind of reared its head again. I actually. Sat and wrote it when I was out with a broken leg at the end of my career at Party Tussle before I went into management. So oh, okay, I found so. it quite therapeutic. And okay. we wrote about seven episodes, and this is before I started management. So I could do quite a lot more now uh, if I put my, my mind to it. You know, <laughs> have a lot of characters I could put in there than the new ones. Well, this book is full of characters. I love the line where you say you feel pity and. Uh, anger at your Dundee United chairman, which I suppose is the nicest thing you can yeah. say without getting sued by him. Um, <laughs> you're better off in agency because you can't sack yourself. That's true. What have you got? Um, so, so you've got the tour 
to promote this book. Mm-hmm. What else have you got lined up this year? Uh, this year, no, just I'll be doing that. And then, obviously, I'll, just now I've got players coming out of contract and players to sort out for next year as well. So making sure they're all taken care of and are all happy and you know, they've not got any problems, um, try and help them. So I do, I, the, the word agent is, I, I prefer sort of trying to use the word mentor to help them you know, and deal with stuff because it's not all, as you probably read in my, my career, it's not all always great. There's different setbacks and different things can happen, you know, and it's just been there and hopefully they turn to me for advice and guidance. Mm. Mentor McNamara. I think I like the sound of that. Oh, by the way, why the new McGrain? Was McGrain a fullback? Yeah, yeah, Danny was one of the best fullbacks uh, Celtics ever had. You know, he was a phenomenal player. And Scotland as well. He was he was brilliant. I was I thought about initially going through the song, but then I thought there's you've you've probably had that before, but as the song <laughs> as the song dictates, we'll chant your name and spread your fame throughout the football world. And Don McNamara's bar coming soon to some green bit of Glasgow. Oh dunno, put it in the centre. There are some vacant units there. I think Yeah, that's what that's where we're looking, yeah, in the centre. I'll have a tot. If you put some Glenfiddich in there, I'll be right there. Sorted, yeah, no Wicked. problem. Thank you very much, Jackie. Um, the book is His Name yes. is McNamara. It's 1999. Uh, you get 500 words from the King of Kings, Henrik Larsson. And uh, go see him on tour. His name is McNamara.co.uk. Thanks so much, Jackie. Right. Thank you very much. Cheers. Oh, his name is McNamara. He's a Celtic boy's right back. He's 40 and he's turning. Defence into attack. He's here, he's there, he's everywhere. Jack joined us from the Firmland where he shot right for the bars. And his first game against the Rangers, he has shone their mega stars. He ran them ragged everywhere and drove the fans insane. You can bet your bottom dollar we have found the new McGrain. And his name is McNamara, he's the Celtic boys right back. His party and his turning, defence to attack. He's here, he's there, he's everywhere, the best you've ever seen. Young Jackie McNamara and the hoops of white and green. Jack's old man played for Celtic when he did nine in a row. Then off into Old Ricky and the high BC did go. Up his son Jackie Jr., he's rightly mighty proud. His chest fell out like blazes when we chant his name out loud. And his name is McNamara, he's a Celtic boy's right back. His party and his turning, defence to attack. He's here, he's there, he's everywhere, the best you've ever seen. Young Jackie McNamara and the hoods of white and green. Down the right, 
I will chant your name and spread your fame throughout the football world. You'll enjoy a reputation where the Celtic flags are built. And his name is McNamara, he's the Celtic boys right back. His forty and his turning, defence and to attack. He's here, he's there, he's everywhere, the best you've ever seen. Young Jackie McNamara in the hoops of white and green. His name is McNamara, he's the Celtic boys right back. His forty and his turning, defence and to attack. He's here, he's there, he's everywhere, the best you've ever seen. Young Jackie McNamara in the hoops of white and green. Young Jackie McNamara in the hoops of white and green.